Welcome to the Imagine Momcast. More answers, more Jesus, more fun. Hi, it's Elaine Kohanowitz, and I am back again with my good friend Dana Emmons. Um, if you guys have been listening, you would have caught her as we talked about what she's doing right now in Belize. I think the episode before was called Adventures in a Foreign Land. So if you want to find out what she's doing now, then definitely check out that podcast. But today, um, she happens to be in the States for the week, and so I'm really happy to get to visit with her and I thought why don't we do a podcast and find out a little bit more about her life because it is very fascinating and in fact she has a book coming out so I'm gonna let her tell you a little bit about that awesome well thanks for having me here Elaine I really appreciate it um the book is called The Dance and it's kind of a memoir um going through my life as a non-believer um talks about when I found the Lord. Each each chapter ends in a scripture, letting you see how God is involved in life, whether you're a Christian or not. He's always there, and He's always been. And the dance is called the dance because the Lord is our, our partner. And sometimes we don't recognize Him as our partner, but He is the partner. He also created the music, and He knows the dance. And our job is to be sensitive to His touch so that He can lead us around the dance floor. So during this book, he leads me around the dance floor, and I use different dance um, moves, um, beats, terminology terminology to let you know my emotions that are happening on then. Um, you can see my struggles and with the Lord and my walk and just with life itself. Um, it goes from single, divorced, widow, cancer, um, death and back clear to Belize, but it just doesn't take you into Belize. That's the next book. That's the next book, and it's going to be in The Beat Goes On. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect, yeah. So I'm really excited about it. I hope that I'll have it done by the end of the year and um, out in publication to be purchased at that time. Great. Okay, so at the end, we'll, we'll remind you of her website, and then, like she said, hopefully by next year, you'll be able to get the book then. Yes. So, um, in the meantime, um, Dana has so many cool stories. I wasn't quite sure where to start, but I just sort of thought, why don't we start um, back when we met, which was like 20, 25 years ago, something in that neighborhood. And so, when we met, um, we were going to Vineyard Church. That's where we met. And at that time... um, That church now is really big, but at that time it had just kind of gotten started and we were meeting in a school. And so Dana can give you a little bit more background, but I just remember that... um, (laughs) She's like, don't don't make me tell it. (laughs) I don't remember half of it. (laughs) I just remember, because I didn't know her at all. I I mean, maybe I had... I don't know. We didn't know any. We just met at the church. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know you, but I, I just remember that the pastor was asking for people to help you with your cleaning business because you're, you had, at that time, you had a baby and your husband had cancer. Right. So I thought, I, you know, I can do that. I was uh, just married. And I didn't have any kids. I was working, but I had time, you know, after I don't work. I for a lane without any kids, just to let you guys know. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
had a pre pre the six kids, um, and so I don't know. I just called you out of the blue, and and I ended up helping you a few times. So tell tell everybody kind of what was going on at that time. Honestly, a lot of that was a blur for um, the many people at the church um, jumped in. Some of them I, I remember doing it, and some of them I don't remember doing it. Um, when you're going through a spouse, especially having cancer, uh, you're, you kind of go through it at just getting done whatever needs to be done that day, and it's almost like going through a fog. Um, Tony was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, which is terminal, and there was no cure and nothing for it. He was given um, probably about six months when the doctor, doctor didn't think he'd even live when he left the, left the hospital oh, wow. after having surgery. Um, and they found out that he was struggling with cancer. My our son was um, three months old at the time he was diagnosed. when he was diagnosed. Yes. Oh wow! So um, I thought my son would think he was going to be a doctor when he got older because we spent more time at the hospital than he did anywhere else. Oh wow! I didn't really know what was happening around me. We were when he was diagnosed at the hospital with pancreatic cancer. Um, they said, well, they weren't sure when he was going to come home or if he was going to come home. And they had tried to go around the cancer and reroute the stomach so that he could eat and maybe buy him some months. Oh, and wow. that's what they told us. So he finally got to come home, and that's when everybody jumped in and was helping with the cleaning because we I just couldn't be in both places. Uh, Tony needed help at, at the house, and I was trying to take care of the baby. I was trying to breastfeed. I was very angry at God. Uh, I had planned on being a stay-at-home mom. Oh, wow. And so all of that was out. Yeah. You know, I I just, I refused to get up, up breastfeeding. I thought I That was like your one. This is my I'm, one. Hang, I'm going yeah, to hang on I'm to this. I am going this. to do this. So I literally would take my baby and the stroller and the walker and the bed, and I would go to the jobs. And I had my own company, and we I cleaned houses residential homes, but I also cleaned for builders. So most of my work with, was with builders. And we would clean the house after it's been built. We yeah, good. They ready. call it final clean. Final clean. We would get it ready for people to move in. And that's what all these people were jumping in and doing. And my builders were so gracious to allow people that had never done that take over for me. <laughs> I was so thankful. But when I started back um, taking over, I did. I just dragged my little boy with me. I would make Tony's meal for the lunchtime, put it in cooler, put it by his bed so he didn't have to get up and walk. And I would go to work and then I would come home and continue taking care of my husband. Now, you you have another son. And was he in school at that time? Brandon Brandon was in school at that time. And um, his father, we had a shared custody. And he started leaning towards his father at that point and spending more time. It was no longer shared. It was mostly he was at his house. Mm. Um, and it was I was very thankful for this. I didn't realize that our relationship was ending. Oh, and yeah. it was the beginning of the end on that relationship. Um, as Tony became sicker, like I said, you're so focused. You've got this tunnel vision of just trying to help that person and staying alive and just taking care of the baby. And you have to remember a newborn baby you're feeding daily. Right. And um, Tony's not sleeping. He's taken a lot of morphine. Pancreatic cancer is one of the most painful cancers that you can have. Wow. So he was on a lot of different drugs to try to help that. First, there was a patch that we we got. And um, the hospital sent him home with it. 
and it was wonderful, but it only worked so long. And the patches were $100 a piece. And we seen God's provision the first time with those. I called up the hospital. Unbeknownst to me, Tony had been talking with the financial department because we had no insurance. Oh, wow. There was no insurance. He just had surgery, and they cut from one side of his rib all the way up and back down to the other side. Oh, wow. So he had had major surgeries, six hours worth of surgery. Oh, my gosh. And um, now we're getting these patches that are $100 a piece. We went through the savings in nothing flat. Two weeks, I couldn't afford the patches, and he had to have them. So I didn't know he'd been talking to a guy named John in the financial department, and I called up them, and I got a hold of the same man, and John said, I said, I can't get the patches. I can't afford them. He says, that's all right. We'll take care of it. I've got got you covered. And in the same conversation. That's awesome. Yeah, in the same conversation, I'm like, what? And he says, you'll just pick them up. And I got, so in the same conversation, I said, John, I, I haven't got a bill from the surgery or anything from the hospital. And he says, you won't. And I said, what? And he said, you won't. And I said, why? <laughs> <laughs> and he, he just said that um, because he had talked to several people who supported the hospital, gave them our story, and they were covering the bills. Wow. Praise and God. That I is awesome. Him, I asked him at this time, I said, well, what was it up to? And he says it was well over $100,000. Wow. So we were seeing God's provision right off the bat. That's awesome. And it, it didn't help with everything, but it sure helped with finances. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I remember one time coming home, and that was right before I knew I could get the patches, and I'm driving down the road with my son to have a well visit, well checkup, like mm-hmm. you do, and I'm driving down the road, and I guess I was doing 45 in a... 35, I'm crying because I've just had, you know, found out that savings account's gone, that patches are gone, and uh, I'm just in tears and I get pulled over. Oh, shoot. Of all the things you need right then. (laughs) Yeah. I get pulled over and I get out of the car and I go, just shoot me. Put me out of my misery. (laughs) (laughs) This cop, he gets out of the car and goes, calm down, man. Calm down. It's okay. Get back in the car. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Just shoot me (laughs) because I can't pay for the ticket and I can't handle this anymore. And I'm laying on the back of the car, spread eagle on the truck, going, shoot me, shoot me. (laughs) (laughs) He's just trying to calm me down and guide me back around and set me in the car. And he says, now what's going on? And and uh, that just let the floodgates go. (laughs) Do you have to wonder how many times police officers become counselors? (laughs) (laughs) He was really good, so I'd say often. (laughs) He listened to my story, and then he looked in the back and looked at the baby and asked how he was doing and... Um, he just turned to me. He says, "He says your husband needs you. Your baby needs you. Please slow down. Take care to drive, and I'll talk to you later." And he just drove off, and I just sat there and bawled. Oh, <laughs> that's pretty cool, though. So. Oh my gosh. Okay, so um, Tony got diagnosed, and I don't think we mentioned this, but you guys hadn't been married very long, right? We had. This was going to be our second year of marriage. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. The first year was terrible, honestly. Um, as new Christian couple, we did not act like a Christian couple. We were yelling and, and throwing things and just, it was chaotic. It was not a good first year. But then when we got to the second year, I looked afterwards. You know, when I looked back. In hindsight. Think, yeah, in hindsight, we probably went through seven years of adjustment in the first year because we didn't have time to do it in the second year. And God knew that 
All we were going to be able to do mm-hmm. was deal with what was happening right then. We didn't have time to make adjustments slow. So we did a fast adjustment that first year, <laughs> and it wasn't fun. <laughs> was it any better by the end of the year? Yes. Oh, and, good. And that's when I got pregnant with our son, Mitchell, and um, it was going much smoother. As a matter of fact, I was going to get to be, like I said, a stay-at-home mom, and, and come. he was working for my business at the time. Mm. And I knew I had to stop when I got stuck into a bathtub. I was cleaning the bathtub, but I couldn't get back out because it was too big. <laughs> I was in my eighth month. And then I'm hollering. And of course, I'm on a construction site. So the guys are all coming around, and they are laughing. I can't get out of this bathtub. Oh, my gosh. Tony's laughing. I'm like, just get me out of the tub. <laughs> I'm done. Stay at home now. <laughs> so. Oh, my gosh. So, so he was good up until about three months after the baby was born. He actually started showing symptoms um at the ninth month Mm. he started complaining of a stomach ache um he broke his finger i don't remember how but i knew he had a broken finger when the baby was born and then at about three months the baby was three months old and he turned yellow he was bright yellow um i actually asked the pastor of our church to come over and get him he was the drummer at our church so they had a good relationship excuse me they had a really good relationship and I'm like, he won't go to the doctors. He's yellow. And so he came over and talked to him, and they got him to go to the doctors. And I think he was afraid of what they were going to say. Mm-hmm. And um, doing tests, they did a couple, and they said, oh, we don't see cancer. And I'm like, cancer? I didn't even know we were looking for cancer. Oh, wow. And then um, it was two days later, he turned even yellower. And then that's when they did the MRI and found the cancer and said he's got to go in for surgery. Oh, wow. We had an awesome surgery at this hospital also that um, what I didn't know was the top top doctor. Oh, wow. And um, Tony actually had a whole year after diagnosed, which is uncommon for pancreatic cancer. It's usually really fast. It's usually within three to six months. Was he bedridden the whole time? No. He was up and moving. Um, he would make cookies, and he would wander around the house. If he tried to eat and stuff, it was very difficult um, as the tumor grew. And then they gave him a bag of protein, which fed the tumor. So he looked like he had half a basketball sticking out of his stomach. He was only about 80 pounds, and he was almost six foot nine. Oh, so he was that tall? Yeah. I don't remember No, he's not six foot nine. He was six foot. I'm sorry. He was six foot. No, he's not <laughs> six foot nine. I'd be kissing his knees. <laughs> he was six, almost six foot. Oh, okay. okay. Pounds, yeah. Oh, wow. So that's still really thin. Weight. Why um, were they feeding protein to the cancer? They weren't. They give it to you to try to help, but the cancer feeds off a protein. So anytime you're feeding, you're trying to take um, food in through an IV, uh-huh. the cancer is eating too. Oh, I see. Um, so the cancer was probably getting more of the protein than Tony was actually intaking. And they told us, they warned us that that was probably going to occur. But there wasn't anything else they could do. No. He did try a, a, um, a drug that they had out that was a new on the market, but... Um, he didn't do any. It didn't do anything. It didn't have any side effects. It didn't absolutely nothing. Now I remember later on a story about when he was uh, bedridden. This was very close to the end, as I recall. I could be wrong, yeah. but I think it was. And he saw an angel. Well, there was a couple of stories. I get to share all three, and I'll share one, the <laughs> angel one, because you have to read the book for the other ones, because they're in there. There you go. You got <laughs> to get the book. That's right. Um, one of them was uh, the big dude came. And he came with the pastor, and Tony was getting towards the end. And I had kept a monitor in his room 
Um, because I could no longer sleep in the bed, he jerked a lot from the medicines and stuff he was on. So I kept a baby monitor in the room. And um, the pastor came in the room and and Tony asked him, he says, hey, who's that big dude that came with you? And they said, I don't see him, must be an angel. And Tony's like, good thing, because man, is he big. Oh, wow. And uh, the pastor and them left, but this, this angel would come and visit on a regular basis. He showed up about 3 o'clock. And I could tell because... In the morning? In the afternoon. Oh, in the afternoon. And he would stay all night and leave in the morning. It was like he, the Lord had sent him there to protect Tony during your weakest times, give you that protection at night. And so he would come in, and I knew he was there because Tony would normally slur his words and stuff because he was on so much medication for the pain. When he would come, he'd clear up, just completely clear. And he'd go, hi, dude, you're back. Wow. And um, they would carry on this conversation. And I would, I would, get, I would hear, you know, I'd know he was there. And um, Tony would talk to him. One day, Tony, I, I came in the room, and Tony says, that big dude came again last night. And I said, he did. I said, what do you want? And he's, he says, well, he sat down on the bed. And I went, whoa, like he was tilting him back and forth because he was so big. <laughs> I said, and then what did he do? And then he smiled at me, this great big smile. And he got in my face, and he says, he smiled at me. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and, but he would come every night from that point until Tony told him, um, he came one night and uh, Tony asked him, I said, well, what did he want? And at this point, Tony's not walking. He's in a wheelchair. I'm taking him out to the, to the thing. I've been, I've been peed on a number of times from holding the urinal because we can't get him into the bathroom correctly. Mm-hmm. I'm dressing him and I'm really not liking it. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting bitter. Yeah. Having to do all to the take care, care of all him, the time. To take care of the baby. Yeah. This is not what I signed up for type attitude. Yeah. And the big dude came and I said, well, what did he want? And he said, he asked me if I was ready to go home yet. And I said, what'd you tell him? He said, I said, no. And I got, I was so mad. I said, you tell him next time he either heals you or takes you home because this ain't living. Yeah. And so that night I, I had a fit with the Lord and I said, I didn't sign up for this. I want to be a stay-at-home mom, you, you know, and here he is. And now I'm a nurse and I'm this and I'm that and I'm tired. And I heard the Lord ask me, he said in a, a soft, quiet voice, did you mean what you said? And I yelled back, this is nighttime, nobody's awake but me. Did I mean what? And he said, did you mean what you said? Again, I say, did I mean what? So the third time... He said, did you mean what you said? In sickness and in health, for better or worse, until death do you part. We had invited him to our marriage. We had invited him into our lives. And he remembered my promise. And he was going to hold me to it. Yeah, it's hard. And I couldn't say anything. Yeah. I couldn't say, I couldn't say yes. I couldn't say anything. I thought, this is... So I said, Lord, give me your servant's heart because I'm not going to be able to do this. Yeah. And I couldn't respond to the question. But the next day, literally the next day, I'm at Tony's feet. He's sitting up in the bed. I'm putting his socks on. I didn't get peed on with the urinal. And I'm laughing and we're laughing. And I realized right immediately my heart was changed. That's awesome. He changed my thing. It did take me another seven days. Before I could say, and Tony plateaued. Tony didn't get any worse. He didn't get any better. We just stayed right where we were at. We just continued. 
Um, he was puking. He was not gaining weight. You know, he's not losing weight. And finally, in seven days, I said, told him, yes, Lord. If, if it doesn't get any better than this, if this is how it's going to be until I'm old and great, I meant what I said. I meant my promise. And at that point, the very next day, Tony started going downhill. Oh, wow. It was like he, he wanted to know if I would keep my promises. That's heavy. Man, you don't really, you know, realize what you're said until you have to live it out. But I think it's really cool that you were just honest with God because there's so many times where we just, we're definitely not feeling it. (laughs) (laughs) No. I needed help. (laughs) Yeah. I needed help. Oh, wow. So then he passed away not too long after that. Um, No, it wasn't too long after that. Um, The big dude came just shortly after my commitment back to the marriage and he came that night, and I, I got up, and I'm standing at the door, you know, and I can hear that he's in the room. I can't see him. I'm looking in, you know, and I'm like, Lord, let me hear him. I, I want to hear an angel, you know. <laughs> so instead, Tony repeats what he's saying. <laughs> oh. I guess it's one way, but Tony says. So you couldn't see him. No, I couldn't see him. But I you could just hear, hear Tony him. talking to him. And Tony would repeat what he said. Oh, I'm going home. Really, that soon. Seven days? Okay, sure, I'm ready. And I knew. I mean, I knew when it was going to happen. I could, oh, wow. I knew, it, I knew it. And there was no other dates for me to pray for. I'd been praying for certain dates that he'd make, his son's birthday, his own birthday. Okay. And I had no other dates that the Lord had given me to pray for. And the big dude, he just repeated the whole conversation that I got to hear it all. And I knew that he would be leaving soon. And he went to the hospital probably the next day. Um, we couldn't hold down water or anything at that point. And um, he was in a lot of pain. And they were trying many things to help him. And it dawned on me uh, an a, a epidural. Because pancreatic cancer is almost the same location okay. as you are when you're pregnant. Okay. So I said, what about an epidural? I said, let's do an epidural. And the doctor that came in, and he's like, oh, well, I'd have to put him on IVs. And I'd have to. I said, you can't do that. We've come so far. And he says, well, he's not going to make it. If, if, what if he doesn't make it during it? And I said, why do you think we're here? You know, yeah. this is the last days. I want him to feel comfortable. And so um, he refused to do it because I refused the IV. And so I got on our phone. Why I, did you refuse the IV? He was already dehydrated. We were, if, if they would give him hydration at this point, he, he would be in pain for several weeks in the hospital. Oh, I and see. So it just started him over in his process of letting his body um, stop. Okay. And he was ready to go. Yeah. We, we were ready. We talked about it. Yeah. And um, he couldn't even put ice ice in his mouth without puking at this point. Okay. So he couldn't leave the hospital. He would have to have an IV there for forever. And it would just, it was not a good place. Okay, I see. It just wasn't a good place. So we'd already decided that we weren't doing the interventions at this point. And so we got a hold of our doctor, unbeknownst to us, that he was the head of the hospital doctors he was over all of them oh wow so he called the guy and next thing i know within five minutes the guy was back the other doctor and says okay we're going to do the iv but i'm not i'm not being responsible if you mean the epidural the epidural but i'm not going to be responsible if he doesn't make it and i said that's okay we'll take that he put in the epidural tony made it through flying colors and he was so he had no pain he was oh, wow. his parent, everybody got to say bye come visit him he was singing he would tell you that he's singing for the children at the gates of heaven 
Wow. And he says, there's all these children. They're at the gates. I'm going to sing for them. And he was, so cool. he was praying with the nurses. Oh, wow. He was, tell, his, he was telling the gospel. Wow. Till the day he couldn't, oh, couldn't wow. say it anymore. And um, That's so crazy. Really That's cool. And Joanna, my friend Joanna, came up the night that he was, he was passing away. And she sang in the room. And we sang together as he slipped off. Oh, wow. That's really awesome. There's a lot of detail I'm leaving out. Yeah, so you got to read the book. (laughs) (laughs) It's in the book. So I kind of, like, we went to the same church, but I I don't really remember, like, seeing you a lot after that until you moved to the farm. So you guys had bought some property that you, you and Tony were going to move to, but obviously that didn't happen. Right. So you moved eventually. And I don't advise doing that. <laughs> oh, can I just say that only Dana, only Dana would think that she could be a single mother and run a farm. <laughs> no, no, that part I advise doing. <laughs> okay. The part I don't advise doing is when they say wait to six to eight months or at least a year after somebody passes away yeah. before you make major moves. So okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that because you really don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was it was almost six months. I'd already moved out of the farm. I lost all the paperwork. I couldn't find any of the paperwork to where I purchased this thing. Anything that I signed, I didn't know where it was at. Oh, right. Because um, you're like out of your mind and dealing you know, with all this stuff. Yeah, you and... don't really know what's happening. <laughs> you know? Plus, you're a mom. I mean, <laughs> for goodness sake, a mom of a small child is and a, enough. And a, and a seven, eight-year-old. And a, Oh, okay. So, so Brandon, Brandon was he came seven to me with Yeah, he came to me with the farm. Well, he's longer older than that because he was probably... Excuse me, he's probably 11 at the time. Okay, I was thinking he was, he was a city, older. Yeah, he was a city boy, too. Because um, my littlest one, we were smelling flowers at the... <laughs> I learned to smell the flowers after that. We would smell the flowers. <laughs> so we'd go, he loved the flowers. So we'd go to the, the, the post office, and they had all these flowers. So I'm on my hands and knees in this new town that I don't know. It's a Gower. It's like... It's tiny. A thousand people. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm on my hands and knees, and we're smelling all the flowers, because he can smell the difference between all of them. <laughs> so, but I don't remember almost any of the transaction and the move to get out there. Right, right. It was six months, and I was driving back into town because I'm still working in Kansas City. I'm living in Gower, so it's a 45-mile Oh, my ride. gosh. Oh, my gosh. And um, so I'm still working in there and still, because the Social Security hasn't started. I'm still having to pull my own bills. And all of a sudden, um, the Lord said, it's time to live. And it was like he took a black veil and he lifted it up over my face. Everything got so bright, I had to pull off of the side of the road to be able to let my eyes adjust to what was going on. Wow. And from that point on, I could tell you pretty much what was what happened. But during that period, I couldn't tell you. Wow. You know, I just, it, it's, you have a veil. Yeah, so me. many emotions and just so much just stuff you have to probably take care of and then paperwork. You just do it. And, you yeah, know, you think. You babies and little kids and... And the Lord was with me. He says he, he's a husband. He's a, he, he comforts the widower. He's a father to the fatherless. And um, I was so favored and had so many miracles, so many blessings during all of my time of, of being a widow that when Mark, my husband, who I'm married to now, came along, I was afraid to marry him because I was afraid to lose the favor of the Lord and all these things that I had been getting and all these miracles that had happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. 
Because <laughs> I was so taken care of. I remember one time, something about toilet paper. You didn't have any toilet paper. I don't even remember the whole story. I have, we, we had maybe 20 bucks to my whole household. I had no toilet paper in the house. And I had very little food. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I need toilet paper. And I'd even thought about taking it from a client, which was still in, and I, so I couldn't take anything. And I'm like, well, what if I just add extra and put it in my pocket? But I thought, no, that's still in. So I get to my client's house, and I had prayed and asked the Lord for toilet paper. And I'm like, okay, if he knows the number of the hairs on your head, which is very, you know, fine, fine thing. Why would we know that to you? Surely he cares about toilet paper. <laughs> So I asked Thank him. God that he does, right? <laughs> no, I'm So I get there. Yeah, with the COVID, he was caring about toilet paper too. <laughs> but I get to the client's house and I'm upstairs and I'm cleaning and she hollers at me and she says, hey, Dana, I went through my closet. Downstairs, there's some stuff on the table. If you'd like to take it, just go ahead. There's a couple of bags. And I get to the bottom of the house. I always clean my way from the top and out the front door. And on the table, on the top of the bag is a Whole container of toilet paper. That is Four awesome. Rolls. That is awesome. That was so cool. I was just in tears. I'm crying. I got toilet paper. <laughs> that is so cool. It was. What did you do? So, because even during that time, though, Mitchell, who is your little one, what did you do with him while you cleaned? We, when we first got out to the, when I first moved out to the country, um, there's a chicken story. I'm not going to tell you about it. <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, a pastor from down the street came in and introduced himself. And um, he got to talk, and I said, I'm still going to a church. Um, it's 45 minutes to drive now, so it was getting harder. And he asked me if I needed anything. And I said, well, I need a babysitter. Mm-hmm. And he got a hold of Grandma Phyllis, who we call Grandma, because she stepped in with that She, role. like, okay, now that you're saying that name... Like, you guys were, like, friends with her forever, right? I, I still visit her. She's awesome. Like, oh, wow. That's so and, uh, cool. She is. She's kind of mom figure. She taught me how to... I, I made gardens, and she, we would can things together. Um, she helped me with the chickens and just becoming acquainted with everybody around. She took uh, Mitchell in like he was her own grandchild. Oh, that's awesome. And um, he didn't even want to come home when I go to pick him up. He was that's like, so cool. There. That and is so, so she's, cool. She's grandma. And she's still grandma to this day, and we just love her to pieces, and she just walked right into that role. My mom had died of cancer almost four years earlier, oh, and my wow. dad had passed away shortly after that, so... Um, there wasn't really any there family. There was no grandma. Yeah. And so she stepped into a role, a God-given role. Okay, so she became like a grandma to the kids. And a mom to me. That's awesome. And she was, like, down the road, wasn't she? She was just right down the road. She was within a few minutes. And um, even as the kids got older and when I, I was, I got to be a stay-at-home mom um, when Tony's Social Security came through. Really? Okay, see, to, I don't really remember that. Yeah, I stayed home for almost a year and um, until I was baby-talking to my friends who went, bye-bye. And I thought, oh, man, I need to get out. <laughs> oh, and about funny. that time, a builder could call me back and said, hey, do you want to come work for me? So I didn't have to run my own business. I didn't have to worry about any accounting. And, oh. Um, so at that so time, you just did final cleans for him? For him, uh-huh. That's great. Yeah, and it worked out really nice. It allowed me to work part-time. Oh, cool. And so she would put him, I would take him to her. She would put him on the bus when he got older and picked him up from school. And it really worked out nice. So I think I actually had a couple of years to stay home, to be a stay-at-home. Now, I remember sometime in there, you, you were a foster parent. I was. Um, Mitchell left when he was 14. To go live with his dad. 
Oh, you mean Brandon. Yeah, Brandon, I'm sorry. Brandon left when he was 14 to live with his dad, and that was kind of the end of our relationship. It uh, deteriorated from there. And at that point... Um, it was really hard. It was extremely hard. Um, you have to give your kid to the Lord. I don't. I, to this day, I don't know where he is, what he does, um, but the Lord does, and that's the only way. I just, you know, you yeah. have to let go and let God. Mm-hmm. It's one of those true moments of... And uh, um, yeah, it rears his head, makes me sad a lot of times, but um, you just have to let go. Yeah. So he was, um, let's see, Mitchell was older at that time when I did foster caring. And he was about eight, because our first boy we took in was uh, an eight-year-old boy. And then the second foster daughter we took in, she was um, older than him. And she was probably the worst case scenario for a foster parent to have because she tried to kill herself. Oh, wow. And, um, no, I'm sorry. That was in, that was before I moved to the country. I was a single mom before I moved to the country. I did foster care too. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, um, that was the case that I had that was really, really bad. And that was, was that before Tony? That was actually before Tony. Okay. Okay. Mark all that out. Yeah. Um, so when in the country, um, I became a foster parent. I was called. I tried to get in um, to St. Joe's foster care system, and it was much harder than I thought. I did all the classes and I took everything, but I they didn't place a child with me for a long, long time. So I finally asked them what happened. They said their budget was cut and I was too far. Mm, the gas was too okay. far. Okay. Right. Um, however, I got a call about a month later in saying, would you take a medical child? I vaguely remember this because wasn't that child in a wheelchair? She was. Because I remember you having to build a ramp. Yes. And the guys came out from church to build the ramp for me. Okay. And um, uh, she had uh, spinal muscular, uh, not, she's spinal muscular, uh, darn, I don't remember the name, SMA. She had okay. SMA. Um, basically, it's not like spinal. It, 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 her her um, nerves in her but in her spine don't talk to her muscles. Mm. So um, picking up a hot dog is very heavy. She had a trach that she breathed through, and she would have to be put on a machine at night in order to keep her alive. I had no medical training. Yeah, I kind of remember this. You were like kind of thrown in the fire, but you were just like, well, let's figure it out. It, it came easy. That's great. Um, even with Tony, some of the medical stuff oh, came that's really true. easy. Oh. And then so when I got her, um, I was actually called in by the, the place and they said, do you want this medical child? And I'm like, okay. And they said, well, you have um, th- two weeks or two and a half weeks to learn her equipment. And I'm thinking, no problem. Um so I, I met my good friend, Tarina, at that time, who is very much a part of our lives. She was the, uh, the respiratory therapist. Oh, wow. And she was doing the training. And um, after the two and a half weeks, and I'd done a tra- I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to, you know, you're putting this trach in this child and, thinking, and you're hoping that everything is clear and you get it in fast enough because they can't breathe. She cannot breathe at all. Oh, without the wow. trach in. Oh, wow. And so I learned to train the trach. Um, I learned to to the machine and how to spot check the machine and if it broke down and what to do. Um, just everything palpate her and helping her lungs to stay clear. And I got all done in two and a half weeks and Trina just said, and we went out to dinner and uh, then I heard her story of how she chose me. And she says, Dana, you shouldn't have this by now. She says, it normally takes three months for somebody to learn this. I'm like, really? Hmm. You're kidding. And, 
And she says, yeah, this, you, she says, this is a natural ability. She says, when I was going through the list, picking, trying to figure out, and I asked the Lord, show me the person that this child belongs in the home. And there was a doctors on there, two doctors, and there was a family on there. And he highlighted your name for me. Oh, wow. And I said, I want her. And they said, this is a single lady with a baby. You know, this is a lot. And she says, no, I want her. And she says, I see why. Oh, says, wow, that's so cool. The Lord just gave you the ability to do this. She says, this is not natural. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. <laughs> so it was. And we're really good friends still. Wow, She's that's part neat. of um, she helps us in our camps of concert and she's part of our Oh, really? Oh, wow. So, so, but you didn't have a, her for a really long time, did you? I can't remember. No, about, um, about a year. Actually, okay, kind of well, long enough to get all of her good. equipment. Um, when she came to me, they were backed up on equipment. They didn't have her, her oxygen. They didn't have her wheelchair. They had been promising for six months. Within the time period of about two months, I had all of her equipment for her. I had her doctors, and I fired several nurses that weren't doing their jobs. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and then she got to go to a home um, that was going to adopt her. Um, however, with SMA one, um, a lot of times the children don't live very long, and she lived until she was five, and I had her at two. Oh, she was little. Mm-hmm. Oh, she was little, little. Little bitty. Golly. And the people would stare at us at, in, in the places, and I didn't really realize why until I walked by a, a, a mirror one time, and there's this really white, blonde-haired woman with this dark, dark little black baby on my hip. <laughs> and people would look at us, you know, and I'm like, what are they staring at? And then I walked in the mirror and I thought, oh, we are totally opposite. <laughs> <laughs> So she was black, a little black girl that mm-hmm. was two years old. Yep. Oh, okay. I, I wow. learned how to braid uh, African-American hair at that time. That's so it was cool. so much easier than my hair. Oh, yeah, I bet. Because it actually stays. It stays, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> So cool. Yeah. But I didn't, you know, it never dawned on me, our color difference. It's not something that affects my life. Right. And, and to see, I was like, oh, wow, we are just totally opposite. <laughs> so who did, did you work? Were you working then? Um, I did. And I still worked clear in town 45 minutes away. Um, but because my job allowed me to pop in when I wanted, nobody knew when I was going to come home or not come home. That's when I spotted some problems with nurses and stuff that she had. Oh yeah. Okay. So she she had they had she some had care nurse, that would uh-huh. come and help. She had a nurse during the day and a, when I was gone, and she had a nurse at night, so I was oh, able okay. to sleep. Um, one one night, the nurse forgot to turn back on the machine when she hooked her back up, and she went into respiratory arrest. And um, I heard the machine go off, buzzing, and um, I heard the nurse make a frantic noise, and I ran into the room, and the nurse had her in her arms. Uh, now. We didn't do this right, so I know God was over us. She was giving her mouth to mouth as I had her in my hands, and the Lord said to sing. So I started singing and praising, and I stayed really calm, and pretty soon she took that breath. She You actually do it in the trach. Mm-hmm. Um, she took that The mouth to mouth is in, yeah, through in the, the trach. trach. Uh-huh. And she took that breath and came right back and was just her happy self, and everything was normal, but... Um, we, we we lost her for a little bit there. Oh, and, wow. And the nurse says, why were you so calm? And I said, I don't know. There was just a really peace that was in the house. There was no need to panic. It was okay. Oh, wow. That's and, so cool. Um, so she just came right back and was her little self. She's very happy. She couldn't talk. Um, she couldn't hug you. She couldn't respond. And I learned 
this from her that was really important, that this was agape love. This was love that I was given to her under no conditions. She couldn't return it. She couldn't mm-hmm. give it back. Mm-hmm. She, she took everything and gave nothing. Mm-hmm. And yet I truly just loved her. And, and, and like you were actually getting it back, even though I you was. weren't getting it back. Yeah, I, I really was. But it showed me how God loves us. Oh, wow. You know, he loves us unconditional, even in our gross, even when we don't love him, even when we're not talking to him, even when we don't hug him, even when we don't receive him or receive what he wants to give us for mm-hmm. that fact. Mm-hmm. He still loves us. Wow. And so it really showed me God's love for us as I loved her. That's awesome. And many moms of special needs kids, which is who we work for and where my heart is, even in Belize, um, know that love for their child. Yeah. And they give and they pour into their children, even if they can't get back, because they love them unconditionally. That's so cool. That is a neat lesson to learn. Yeah. So so you were um, at the, the uh, farm and then um, you were having, occasionally people would come help you, and that's how you met your husband. Mark. That's your husband mm-hmm. now. Yeah, Mark. Yeah. Um, he came to the farm with his brother, who go, went to the church, and that's how I know him. I called up the church and said, hey, I need help. Do you have anybody that can help me put some fence posts in and all kinds of stuff? And they rounded up some people. First time I burnt chicken that was horrible, and... Uh, <laughs> It was a terrible. Like, to, to try to feed, to try to feed these people. Feed, oh my you. gosh, it tastes like barbecue grill. grill. It was just black. It was just awful. Oh no! And they didn't ever come back again. <laughs> <laughs> so I, they sent them home hungry. It was not good. Yeah, can and, I just interject here that like she had goats and chickens and sheep and horses. I mean, not all of those all at the same time. Maybe you did for a while. Different ones. But yeah, yeah, different ones. I mean, it was just amazing. Like, I don't know. I don't think I ever would have attempted it all. (laughs) I I loved it all. And God provided. And my husband, that's now my husband, came up with his brother. And he worked four hours and never said hello to me. He didn't even look at me. And um, so the next time they came, and they came again, and I thought, you know, this man's going to say hi. He's not going to be rude on my property. And I got up in his face, and I said, hello. And he said hi and went about his work. <laughs> well, now, and now that, you know, we all know Mark, we're like, well, that makes total sense because yeah. he's pretty quiet. <laughs> yeah. Amazingly, though, he does a lot of public speaking and things like that. He now. has. The Lord is using him to preach at different churches. and He does great. Um, yeah. He just, he's gotten a different, God has been teaching him along the way, but um, our, our relationship was four years of him working there and he got sort of attached. I fired him off and on all the time. You did? Yes, because my son <laughs> would get attached to him and start calling him dad. And I'm like, oh, that ain't going to happen. And I would fire him and I don't want you around. And, and then something would come up and I'd have nobody else to call. I'm like, Lord, really? Just give me anybody but Mark. And he would leave me these long love letters. That they didn't say I love you, but I got everything done you wanted. Is there anything else you need? And you could just see the love gushing out. <laughs> out of these papers. And I'm like, ah, I brought it up, throw it away. <laughs> it wasn't until... Um, you were definitely not interested. I, was, I did not want anything to do with this. Like I said, I had the favor of the Lord. I was a widow and a man I was being taken care of. And I, Well, you know, plus you had plenty of other experience had, with men that yeah, was, you probably were kind of done with that. No, I, was, I was okay. I was cool with the way things were going. And, <laughs> and I was at a client's house. I was house cleaning. And um, 
I looked out and there's this man in the in the yard getting out of this this fancy Cadillac and I said I said who's that good-looking man you got in your front yard and he, she looked out and she said I don't know he must be somebody you know and I took another look and I said oh my gosh it's Mark <laughs> God, what are you doing? <laughs> and I went out. Yeah, I hadn't seen him in probably three or four months. Oh, okay. And he had a new car, and um, he's, you know, when I see him normally, he's in overalls and a sweatshirt, and he's out there cleaning, and he's yeah. all cleaned up, and I took a double take. Wow, that's so cool. And, yeah, so then I spent another month talking to God about this, and he that's when he changed his talking to me um, Talk to me more about a father-daughter talk in the Word of God. And um, at that time, I realized I hadn't healed all the way from Tony's death. Mm. And um, I didn't, I was so scared to say I do again and make the promises again. Oh, wow, because that's real. Yeah. That's real this time. Like, you know what you're getting into. And I was was just scared to death. I did not want to date somebody. I wanted, if I was going to do it, I wanted to be courted. Yeah. And there is a difference, ladies. Well, what you're saying is that you, you're not trying them out. You want, you, I mean, the intention is to marry. Right. It's, it's a forward movement with all intentions of we are, we are looking at marriage. Right. We are not looking at just having a good time. Yeah. You know, so, um, he had been very emotionally tied to me throughout, you know, the four years, because it's been four years now of him coming back and forth, back and forth. I've been a widow. And he, and he was married before too. He was married before too. And it ended on a, on a, on a, on an adultery type thing. So it ended with a lot of pain and hurt there too. So, um, I, I I spent almost a month with the Lord just healing and um, releasing and trusting and, and getting over that. Um, if I say, if I make that promise again, would I, would I do it? Mm -hmm. You know? And I had to come up with, yes, I would before I could even move forward. Right. Yeah. So it, it was a few months and I finally went, okay. So then I called Mark, and I had a job to do, and I needed some help. I really didn't, but it was a good excuse. So <laughs> he, would have, he wouldn't suspect a thing. Oh, yeah, no clue what was going on. He hadn't even talked to me so for several months. So I had him at the job, and after the job got over, I said, hey, you got some time? And he said, sure. And um, I said, I'd like to talk to you. And I said, well, okay, here's the deal. If you want to date, we're going we're gonna to court. You know, I don't want to do this. And we need to make sure. And I laid out all these rules. Oh, we handhold first. We put our arms around each other. No kissing until this. You know, I had, I, oh my gosh. And the Dana's not controlling it at no, all. Not just at so all. you know. <laughs> not one bit. So, and I look at him. And you know, I've been talking for an hour. And Mark's very quiet anyway. But I look at him and I go, do you have anything to say? And he says, I'm emotionally constipated. <laughs> That didn't go like I went in my mind. No, not at all. <laughs> That's hilarious. And it probably didn't all go like you planned. Oh, it didn't go anywhere like I planned. And he didn't, didn't follow any of the rules. <laughs> And I'm not going to tell you a whole lot more because that's in the book. <laughs> but it wasn't too long. A year or how long before you got Just married? about a year. Okay. Um, we had known each other for four years. I don't yeah, remember we a wedding. Did you just go to a judge or something? No, we went to we had a small wedding with just our family up at the street at the same church that okay. um, the pastor had visited us. And okay, okay, at the local country yeah, church. Yeah, okay. local country church, and it was just a small wedding, and um, you know, it wasn't any big hoopla. Yeah. 
And yet, um, I did wear white because I felt like the Lord had um, cleansed me, and 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 I was pure again to be able to marry Him. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. And and then you guys were together at the farm. Oh, okay. So his daughter moved in with you. Was that right after you before got married? Before we got married. Really? Okay. Before now, we see, got I I remember her coming. And I remember some of the You're story ruin of that. You're my whole book. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, like, I didn't remember the timeline at all. Yeah, we married September the 6th. School started in August. Oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm just, wait, let me tell my version of the story. Okay. That is what I remember. Her name's Tana, and she was, uh, like, I think in junior high, I want to say. And Dana had somehow decided that Tana could play volleyball. I think they had been playing in the yard or something. I don't even remember. You'll have to tell your version. But anyway, all I remember is you, like, dragging her to this volleyball practice before school ever started so that she would get to know some of the other kids. And Tana did not want to go. And somehow you convinced her to do it. And after that, she loved volleyball. Um, it didn't. Ha- it didn't go quite as smooth as what you just said. <laughs> Tana, Tana came in, and um, Tana had been with her dad for many years now, as her dad was single, and she lived with her dad. And they had. Oh, she very, did. Okay. Yes, they had a very, very close relationship. I was the other woman. Oh wow! Um, so she knew you then, because she must have known she knew, you. Well, they would come out when he when he would work at the farm. Okay. And I was okay to visit. But I was not okay as part of his life. You're right. Okay. And um, we had, she even, to the point where she ran away one night when he told her that he was going to marry me. Oh, wow. Yeah. She did not like this whole thing. So now imagine her being moved out of her house and into mine without dad. Oh, my gosh. There was a a, a situation, but I had been foster parenting. So I, I had dealt with a child that wasn't mine. Yes, and in a so, big transition in situation. In a big transition, right. So I had some skills that a lot of people don't have when they marry uh, into a family that's a um, mixed family. Yeah. And so I did come with some skills and some training that really helped. But uh, Tana, I, I knew in middle high school, middle school is tough. You know, you go into oh, a it's, school, it's tough anyway. country school, don't know nobody, this is not a good scene. So all I could think of was call the school, find out what sport's being played. Okay. Tana played basketball. She was a long, linky girl, mm-hmm. very athletic, very mm-hmm. athletic. I don't care what the girl did, she was good at it. Mm. And so I called up thinking, okay, so there's got to be a sports this time. I liked volleyball in high school. Mm-hmm. So they said, well, volleyball's going to start up. So I go, I told Tana, I said, you're going to play volleyball at, at school, we're going to start next week. And before school does, and she's like, I don't know anything about volleyball. I've never played volleyball. I'm not doing it. And I'm like, um, yeah, you are. So I go and I get these knee pads. And I'm going to pick out what color. And she's like, I don't even know what these are for. And I said, well, you put them on your knees. They're going to protect you. So we're, we're talking no knowledge. Yeah. So at no interest. No interest. And so I, she's luckily she was a little more scared of me than <laughs> Anybody. So when I, I wonder why. She's already almost as tall as me. <laughs> like, get in the car, we're going to practice. And, she, you know, I, I use a tone, and man, we're, everybody's hustling around me. Yeah. I don't care who it is. The man I'm wearing. <laughs> so yeah, sometimes when Dana shouts, the neighbors do what she says. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's time to eat, everybody runs. <laughs> Go to their house. You called? <laughs> and so she gets in the car. I take her up to the middle school 
I don't even know where the gym is. I've never been to the school either. Oh, wow. And so I take her in. We go into the gym, and they're on the floor getting ready for stretches. And I look at her. I introduce her to the, t- the coach. And um, I said, well, I'll see you later. And she looks at me like, you're leaving? Yeah. I said, yeah, I'll see you when it gets over. And if she could have buried me, I would have been 50 feet under. <laughs> I'm telling you, the look I got was daggers. Oh, I bet. And Jeez. So I leave. I come back, and she's laughing with some girls. And I think, oh, thank you, Lord. And she looks at me and shoots those daggers again. She gets in the car. I said, how is that? Fine. I got one word sentences the whole way home. No conversation whatsoever. <laughs> we get in the car the next day. We're the same way. I think it, I think it took till school started. Wow. She didn't have her daggers out and was just mad at me. And she was so good at it. She That's tried awesome. To go to, she even tried to go to college and play in a college league because she was that good. That's All through high so school. Cool. She played through middle school and high school and everything. Wow. So it was it was a lot of fun. She... Um, our relationship. And you became was, close. We did. It wasn't until she was in college before the first time she told me she loved me on the phone. Wow. And um, she, that's a long road. It, but, but she goes, I said, I said, do you know that's the first time you told me I love you? And she says, really? Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think sometimes, though, it takes, you know, your kids to kind of get out of the nest before they can look back and, and go, yeah. And appreciate it, it more. well her she was she was trying to be so perfect her dad had been through a divorce and she was his shadow so this time pulled her out of that shadow and then the second thing that I did shocked Mark was um I wouldn't I told her she had to be bad in school I said, you, you did need, yes I said you need to get in trouble she she was such a perfectionist she wanted, had to have all A's and she had to have you know she she wasn't having any fun she was stressing herself and I said, if you don't come home today, this when you get out of school today, and tell me that you got in trouble, you will be in trouble. And, <laughs> of course, again, well, what great parenting <laughs> advice! <laughs> she come home and she says, I got in trouble today. We high five. <laughs> well, her dad. This is unbeknownst to her dad. Oh wow! So he come over on Friday. Um, to visit and have dinner with us. and Oh, this is before you got married? Yes. Oh, wow. So he came over, and she, he's sitting at the table, and Tana is sitting across from us, and she says, I got in trouble twice today at school. I said, high five twice, and we have Mark's eyes got saucer-sized. <laughs> he looked at her. He looked at me. I kicked him under the table. I said, later, later, later. <laughs> so we clean up dishes and everything, and he goes, they took off, and... um went to play and he goes what have you done to my daughter <laughs> oh gosh oh, I, said, man. I said it's okay it's okay <laughs> i promise i haven't corrupted her <laughs> he says she's getting in trouble at school she's never been in trouble at school i'm like yeah and that's a problem <laughs> so i said she's having a good time she's talking to her friends and she's beginning to come out of her shell and we just watched tana bloom into a, such a wonderful Christian woman. I get to go see my grandbaby. She's married. Um, she waited until she got married. She was celibate um, to have sex or anything. That's so um, awesome. She made a promise That's really to her cool. dad. And yeah, that he gave her a ring to remember her promises by until she got married. And I have a little grandbaby born February. She's four months old. Riley. Oh, that's awesome. I get to go see her just in a few days. 
And let me say that I saw, I got to see the wedding, some of the wedding photos of Tana and her husband, and they got married in Belize, which is where you guys live now. Which was fantastic. And she is uh, like drop dead gorgeous. (laughs) She should be a model. She's absolutely beautiful. I mean, she's, wow. Their baby is just as gorgeous. Um, Eli comes from Hispanic background. Uh, uh, Tana is Native American, um, Navajo, and that beautiful brown oh, yeah. skin, dark black hair. Oh my goodness! I wanted. To, I can't just wait to squeeze those little cheeks. <laughs> That's awesome. Such a cool story about how you guys, you know, became close, even after all the craziness. <laughs> it's still crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. It's still crazy. <laughs> that is true. You never stop being a parent either. No. Even even a step parent. <laughs> no. And there's there's so much more to this story. Like I said, if you if you pick up pick up my book, I hope to have it printed. By the end of the year, it's called The Dance. And um, you can always let Elaine know if you need a book or yeah. somebody, and um, they'll get it to you. It's God has been so good to us throughout all the struggles. You know, I've, I've seen my mom have cancer. I've been a widow. I've been promiscuous. I lived with a man. I've been a single mom. Um, I've walked many walks in very short time in my life. And yet, in this book, you'll see God's hand in it throughout even when I didn't even know he was there that's awesome well maybe next time also one thing you didn't mention and maybe we'll catch this next time is you've had cancer yes. so that was a whole nother thing that whole nother walk. a whole nother walk so maybe next time we will talk about do that my whole book before it gets eaten <laughs> details in there we didn't there know is. <laughs> so yeah. thank you so much for talking with me today thank you Elaine, for I'm having me so glad you're here i'm glad to be here thanks everyone for listening i hope you enjoyed this interview and if you know someone who you would think and would enjoy listening to it that would be so awesome please share it Also, make sure you visit us um, on Facebook and Instagram at Imagine Mom. I'm so glad you came to listen today, and I hope you have a wonderful day, and we'll see you in the next episode.